Welcome to Future Hindsight. I'm Mila Atmos. How do teacher walkouts influence educational excellence? Our guests on Future Hindsight today are well equipped to answer this question. Two teachers in the Oklahoma City public school system who participated in the teacher walkout. Rachel Leyland, who has been teaching third grade and kindergarten at Southern Hills Elementary in Oklahoma City, and Dr. Kendra Abel, a visual arts educator at the same school. She began teaching through Teach for America as a math teacher before taking the K through 12 art certification test. Welcome, Rachel and Dr. Abel. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. So you participated in the teacher walkout in Oklahoma in April of this year, which lasted nine days. What was at stake? For us at our school, our principal was extremely supportive. Some of the other schools or districts weren't, so potentially their jobs or income were at stake. For me personally, the the income, yes, it's significant. I knew that going into education that it would be as little as what it is, but education is not taken as seriously as it should be. No, there's not enough funding or staff or help, support, hours in the day. There's it almost feels like there's not enough of anything. Well, one of the the most significant issues is that our classroom sizes are way above average. So typically I have about 30 kindergartners on my own and I'm teaching them art. And projection for next year is that the numbers are going to increase. I read that some of the schools are only open four days a week because of the allocated very tiny budget. Is that happening at your school? No, it's not. From what I've heard, that probably won't happen within Oklahoma City Public Schools. They are the largest in the state, and it's a very urban school district. And I've just heard that to serve our families correctly, that that isn't something that our school district would do. Right. A lot of rural communities are having to do that just because of, you know, keeping the lights on in the school building. That whole extra day, that adds up teachers in Oklahoma are dipping into their own pockets in order to put supplies on the table and things like that. Have you done that personally? Absolutely. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I just came from Dollar Tree. <laughs> All right. So what did you buy at Dollar Tree and how much money did you spend and how is this going to serve your students? Today I spent $14 at Dollar Tree and then $10 at Goodwill. And I bought muffin tins and cookie sheets and some oven mitts because I have a dramatic play center since I teach kindergarten. And I got some just used or cheap baking kitchen supplies so that they can pretend to be in a bakery and work the cash register and the little pretend oven and learn through play. How much money do you think you spend on average in a year on school supplies that you cannot buy through the school budget? This last year, I was a little bit limited just because of being in grad school, but I've spent between five and $700 over this past year. I typically spend more than that. With the arts funding, I get $2 per student for the entire year. During the walkout, I had a poster that said, I'm here for 553 students. And I ordered supplies in October that I did not receive them until right before the walkout. So it was late March, it was when we got back from spring break. That's difficult. So this year I had to dip into my pocket. And like the art room, the air conditioning has been terrible for several years now and they fix yeah. it and then it 
just goes back. But the principal, you know, she was kind enough. She went and bought a fan for me out of her pocket. We fortunately have a principal who cares so much and is in it for all the right reasons, and she supports us in every way that she can. She does way more than (laughs) I would ever ask her to do, financially as well. Right. Because the families in our schools, you know, that's asking a lot for them. With donations, things I ask for the art room or things like toilet paper rolls, because I know that families can probably provide that, but they don't have the income to do that either. So you're actually asking the parents to participate and shoulder the burden of the lack of funding for education in your state? Yeah. It's not required. I'll just put it in the newsletter I send home weekly. Hey, we're running low on these. If you're at Walmart and you happen to swing by and get some, it would be greatly appreciated. And it's a 50-50 turnout if I have parents get what I asked for. I'm always somewhat surprised but super thankful when it does come up. So what are the forces that are making a negative impact on public school education in Oklahoma? What are the large factors? It feels like people aren't looking at the big picture. It is a lot of money that we're asking for. But in the long run, the difference it'll make is just, it's tremendous. It's difficult to say this without getting (laughs) um, a little angered. I'm not going to get too political um, as far as having a divided line between political affiliations. However, We've been set in our ways for a very long time, and as the economy changes and as things, you know, costs go up, living expenses go up, transportation goes up, our salaries have not gone up. And not just our mm-hmm. salaries, but the funding provided to the classrooms has been cut. It's not even, even staying the, level, the same. Right. It's not even staying the same. And then just opinions of, well, you knew what you were getting into whenever you signed up to be a teacher. I just finished my Ph.D., and I was so fortunate to have scholarships from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that helped me to achieve that. And I, you know, sadly may have to leave my state of Oklahoma. And some people are like, well, why would you be a teacher when you could go and do something else? You could be a professor at a college or maybe run an art museum. I could do those things, but I also see humanity and I see our children and I have something to offer them. So those negative opinions of people, I do as much as I can to confront them and educate them. I come from a very conservative community, and so those conversations with people that I hold near and dear to my heart have been difficult, but Mm -hmm. they've helped, and I'm hoping that it'll be like a little fire, you know, spread to other individuals to just educate about what truly is happening. And I feel like the walkout... It was a stepping stone to get to that. It really did kind of open the door for conversation. I mean, people even extremely close to me, my mother-in-law, she obviously knows how much I love it. She knows the work I put into it. But until the walkout and an actual direct conversation about it, she did not know how much I was spending of my own money from either teaching or my second job, how much my husband was spending, how much my mom has put into it just to make my classroom attempt to run on the same playing field as the states around us. I'm glad you said your mom because that's, (laughs) I, she'll see folders on sale and she's like, oh, these will be great portfolios Mm -hmm. for your kids and garage sales. I mean, my kids played with these tinker toys all (laughs) year and that's something my mom found at a garage sale for $3 and that's not a lot, but I mean, should she really have to do that? (laughs) No, she shouldn't. So tell me about your second jobs and How can you have a second job when you're working full-time as a teacher? How does that work? 
Well, I bartend. It's what I did through college. And I walked across that graduation stage. I found a job within 48 hours. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so excited. I was ready to get out of the bar. And so I quit. Uh, It took me maybe three months, four months of living off of my teacher salary and thinking, I can't afford my extremely basic home and car (laughs) or my student loans. I can't afford to eat if I'm trying to live off of this paycheck. So I went back to the bar and I've been there since. I work Friday or Saturday nights. I prefer Saturday nights. That way after a long week, I can go home and sleep in on a Saturday after going to bed at a decent time on Friday. But sometimes I'll go to school 7.45 in the morning, leave school, change clothes in the parking lot, and then go and bartend until 2, 3 in the morning. And then do it all again Saturday night. So that's about a 20-hour workday on someone's clock. And it, it's rough. It is. It's hard. That's exhausting. I am an adjunct instructor at a college here in Oklahoma City. I've been trying to get through grad school. It's taken me nine years to do my doctorate and finish. I work full-time, <laughs> and then I work. Like this semester, I had said I'm taking off. I, I can't teach um, at the college level. And they called me and desperately needed me. So I ended up teaching two late eight-week classes while finishing my dissertation. I got maybe three to four hours of sleep. How do you keep going? How do you stay in this job? What keeps you motivated? What keeps me motivated to stay in the job would be the kids. That's my my reason, (laughs) too. To stay in the state, what keeps me motivated is my family. I struggle with leaving just because my parents live in Tulsa, and being an hour and a half away already seems... Ridiculous. (laughs) Ridiculous. <laughs> so living in the state of Texas or even Arkansas pays quite a bit more than Oklahoma. But my family keeps me here and the kids keep me in the job. I absolutely don't think I could clock into a job every day where I don't interact with them and get their sweet little hugs and tie their shoes all day and see the joy on their face when they read a book for the first time. My husband, he's from Arkansas. Right now he's three hours from his family and that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. a long enough drive. But With the walkout, it prompted some pretty serious conversations, you know, just among my family. And now he is, he's the one beginning to say, hey, you would be compensated so much more for your skills elsewhere. And we just recently have been talking about potentially leaving the state just, just to make enough to, to be able to start our family. You both mentioned several times how the walkout has sparked conversation in your families and also among your friends. Why was the walkout the right choice for teachers? And in which way was it powerful for the state of Oklahoma in general? I think it was powerful to see the numbers. There were days where you couldn't walk because there were so many people, so many bodies and such honestly not that small of a space. It was powerful to see what happens when we stand together for what is right. When we all agree something has to change, it was... It was was so peaceful. Yes. Just positive energy everywhere. I mean, you couldn't help but get tears in your eyes Mm -hmm. over the unity that happened there. We're all scattered throughout the state in our own little hubs, you know, at our schools, in our districts. But to have that conversation together, be there in 
this profound statement of bodies and being present and, and see, demanding I'm respect. not alone in this thought that something's got to give. I marched alongside of teachers that taught and coached me in high school. Yeah. And it was <laughs> it was just amazing to see everybody fighting for the same cause and for what is right and what you know is right. It was really powerful. It made me feel like I'm doing the right thing and that I am in the correct field no matter what anybody says. This is where I belong. This is what's right. There were some individuals that spoke out <laughs> on their true belief. The public, I don't think, realized that they had the opinions that they had, that they had elected officials who are so against educational transformation or just even equitable education and funding education. There was a legislator, I think he was from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and he got very angry. He got so upset and was like, well, this is what you get, teachers. I also was happy because the public got to see that too. They got yeah. to see what we've been battling for so long that there are individuals who are preventing us from being able to do anything. The momentum is building, and I have a good friend who is now running as, for a state representative position to try to get in to a place where she can make change happen. The walkout inspired a lot of thought that we can actually change things. It's possible to and do if this. They're not going to. We'll run for office and we will. We saw former teachers, retired teachers running for office. And that's going to change things within itself. Personally, it made me want to be more educated within what's going on and what what I can do to change it and keeping up with the small elections, big elections, everything. I need to be dotting my I's and crossing my T's and knowing what's going on in there. It's affecting me too much at this point not to. How will you advocate for public education going forward now that you've done the walkout and you see that people are waking up and understanding more closely what's really happening in public education and why it's being underfunded, what the legislature really thinks about funding public education. How can you move forward from here? I plan to be involved in supporting those candidates who are running for, yeah. for office that are pro-education and are standing up against what's happened, and they are not letting the, the movement cease. This is the future of our state. Being active and engaged and supporting those candidates, obviously I don't have a lot of money to contribute to their campaigns, but I do have the ability to go knock on a door and share the insight that they have to offer to change what's happened, like to change the status of education in our state. So that's one thing for sure I plan to do. Keeping communication open, keeping the conversation flowing and honest. People have got to know. And I guess I realized that during the walkout that people don't know what's going on. They they didn't realize how big my class size was. They didn't realize how much I was buying on my own or how much the parents in my classroom or my mother was buying. And I don't think anybody who can really, really look at that disagree that something's got to change. So we got to keep everybody aware. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about is that really your demands were not met at the end of the walkout. How does that sit with you? And, and what does that mean for the new school year? I am actually a member of AFT, the teachers union that negotiates for Oklahoma City Public Schools. I don't think they were the leading teachers union. It was Oklahoma Educators Association, OEA. And whenever they decided to conclude the walkout, AFT members were not on board with that. 
We did not support that. We actually took a vote. I believe it was 67% of the union members responded that we wanted to continue the walkout. I thought, wow, I get to continue this. I am part of the largest district in the state, and we may actually get to do something. But then our board met and, I guess, did not support going forward with that because we didn't have everyone else in the state on board anymore. I think that that decision was premature. Not everyone had the voice to get to say whether or not that should happen. So I, I believe that if we had stuck in it a little bit more, a little bit longer, maybe something would have changed. But I think that the writing was on the wall. These legislators were not moving. I don't know that the compassion is really there. That was the frustrating part. I felt that it was premature. I wasn't ready for it to end. And quite frankly, everybody I was talking to within education and outside of it, they didn't think we should end either. I don't really know many people that supported it ending that soon. I was all for marching on their lawn until we got what we wanted. Because a lot of people now are, well, that was a waste of time. Yeah. I don't believe it was a waste of time. I feel like we did accomplish something. And if anything, we set a precedence for the rest of the nation to be on board with getting some educational changes going on. So seeing the reality of the viewpoints and the people actually going and looking up, what did my legislator vote for? What did, how exactly did they Mm -hmm. cast their vote? A lot of people were surprised. And then also looking into Where is the funding to these campaigns coming from? Who is paying for these people to run and supporting them running? And so now the public is aware and they're taking it to heart because I don't know how many of my students I got to hug while I was at the Capitol because parents brought their children to support us. So the, the interest is there and then also realizing something has to change. Since you mentioned that some people brought their children to the Capitol in order to see your civic action, why would you say that the fight over the future of public education is a fight for the future for our democracy? I wish I could have seen something like that as a child. I think it would have made me a bit more motivated earlier on to stay up with what's going on with my legislators. Seeing that we all have a voice and it's so much louder if we stick together and that Fighting for the right thing is important. My parents did a wonderful job raising me, but we weren't a very political family. And I don't think I had a lot of um, knowledge about how much power we do have with voting and with who we put in office. Well, and knowing that the children of Oklahoma, they they watched, they heard, they mm-hmm. knew where we were. And even if their parents were not in support of it, they still heard conversations about it. Because I did have students say, well, you know, did you go and what did you do? And wanted they wanted to They're ask curious. questions. And, you know, as a teacher, there are certain <laughs> things that I can and can't say. But at the end of the conversation, I would always say, whatever I do, I do for you. And so children, knowing that their teachers are proactive and moving forward to try to do what's best for them, they need to be aware and informed. And then also knowing that they have a voice, their voice matters, Mm -hmm. if they speak up and speak up long enough and loud enough and endure it, then they too will be heard. How does a walkout in Oklahoma fit in with the teacher actions in other states, West Virginia, Colorado, Kentucky, Arizona? How do you fit in? West Virginia helped us see 
what was possible. We kind of used them as a little light bulb of an idea. We were like, hey, we've got some pretty serious issues too over here. Yeah. It's pretty dire here in Oklahoma. It's pretty bad. I mean, we're 49th in pay or 50th? I never did get the official quote on that. It depends on which yeah, it, which research this. I couldn't find a definite answer either way. And then I heard the argument, well, somebody's got to be in last. I'm like, well, what? What sense does that make? I don't make? know. I would happily be tied with someone yes. in, you know, midway. <laughs> I feel like we are part of kind of, you know, like the Olympics. They light the torch. West Virginia lit the torch. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma grabbed a hold of it and is carrying it on. And the next state and the next state just to to spread it. Yeah. And I'm in a Facebook group of art teachers, and uh, there's an art teacher in Arizona that we had some great conversation about this because Arizona was just right after Oklahoma. And it gave them hope that we can actually do something. If we will fight the fight long enough, we have to stand up for what is right. And it's not just about us. It's about the future of our children and their children. There's this idea of every action you take is affecting your future descendants. And to think of them the seventh generation from now, what you do today, you must make your decisions and act with the thought of how that's going to affect seven generations from now. Someone's got to speak up. And I have become more passionate and more vocal than ever before. We are talking about our children, the people that will vote and drive and educate the next generation down. This is our future issue, not a political issue. What makes you hopeful for the future of public education in Oklahoma? So with the visual arts, it was a way for me to imagine my life different from what it was. I have the ability to teach them those critical thinking skills and those imagination skills of, yes, we're in a Title I school, but your life can change. You can determine something else for your future. I am optimistic that something can change, and we just have to visualize it, being more vocal, continuing to teach what I love, continuing to incorporate these strategies so that children have the skills, they have the tools in their toolkit and equip them with things to know that they can do something about it. Seeing the change I make from August to May, that's what gives me hope, is seeing the change in each one of them. And teaching them that they are significant. Seeing their personalities and emotional progress is just as much. If they come out of my classroom knowing that they're important and that they have a voice, then my job was done, that they know that they're loved and they're safe in this world and that they can be something in this world, I count that as a win. I agree. Thank you very much. This was terrific. I liked Kendra's analogy of the walkout in Oklahoma as passing the Olympic torch from West Virginia to other states and bringing awareness to the effects of long-term underfunding of public education in that state and many others. It's shocking to hear that public school teachers in Oklahoma cannot survive on their salaries alone, and that they then spend their own money to supplement the meager funding of their schools in order to level the playing field with other states. 
the walkout not only exposed the hostile rhetoric of many state representatives towards education, but it also opened the door to conversation among Oklahomans. Parents, students, and teachers are now in an open dialogue about what public education should look like. There will be many new pro-education candidates running for office this fall. As we all know, children are our future, and it is not a stretch to say that the future of public education is the fight for our democracy. Do you want to know more about how you can extend your engagement with elected officials beyond elections? On the next episode of Future Hindsight, our guest is Maria Ewan. She's the founder of Issue Voter, an organization whose mission it is to give everyone an equal voice in our democracy by making civic engagement accessible, efficient, and impactful. As a campaign manager, you want to be in the best position possible. You want to raise as much money as possible, and I don't blame them for that. But at the end of the day, you can outraise an opponent and you can raise tons of money. But if constituents are actually watching what the rep is doing and don't agree with that and don't vote for them, that money doesn't have as much of an influence. To me, that's sort of this cycle of how more engaged citizens can actually make a difference. Until next time, I'm Mila Atmos. Thank you for listening to Future Hindsight. The executive producer and host of this program is Mila Atmos. The audio producer and music composer is Peter Feda. The associate producer is Miriam Tsumbu. Find us online at futurehindsight.com and listen to us through your favorite streaming services. Thank you.